Welcome to the Spring Forward Podcast. I'm your host, Spring Richardson Perry, the organizational change agent that is going to help your business achieve the excellence you desire. If you're a business leader looking to take your business to the next level or simply looking for new ways to spring your business forward, then this is the podcast for you. So let's get down to business and spring forward into excellence. Welcome to another episode of the Spring Forward Podcast. Today, we're talking about cultivating success, nurturing workplace culture. And so we're going to talk about DEI as well with this today. And to give us some insight on this, we have the Dr. Mary MJ McConnor. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me, Spring. It's so it's such a pleasure to be on your show, and I'm just really excited to have a good conversation. I'm excited too, MJ. So a little bit about Dr. McConnor. She is a certified diversity executive who has worked in DEI and international education sectors for over 14 years. She is an award-winning DEI consultant and entrepreneur who was recently selected as one of the Memphis Business Journal's 2023 Super Women in Business honorees. And additionally, she is a top 40 under 40 urban elite professional awardee and a 2023 Woman of Impact with the American Heart Association. Some of her professional affiliations include active membership with the Society for Diversity, the Society for Human Resource Management, Star Scholars Network, Memphis Urban League Young Professionals, and Greater Memphis Chamber Small Business Council. Her company, Inclusive Excellence Consulting, is a full-service diversity, equity, and inclusion firm, which is headquartered in her hometown, Memphis, Tennessee. She's worked with Fortune 500 corporations, nonprofit organizations, institutions of higher education, and professional associations. So across the spectrum, she knows how to help organizations maximize the power that equity and inclusive diversity brings, and servant leadership and her dedication to transforming organizations and communities through education, collaboration, and inclusion is what motivates Dr. MJ the most. And it's really what drew me to her as I was connecting with MJ um, and seeing all the wonderful things that she's been doing. And I was just like, girl, when do you sleep? And here's the thing. I actually, believe it or not, people, I get that question a lot. I sleep. I make it a priority to sleep at least seven hours a night. So I do get a full night's rest. (laughs) I love it. But you know what it is, Spring? When I get up, I'm very intentional. So I am a part of the 5 a.m. club. I get up every day at 5 a.m. just early. But I found that I'm most productive when I get up early. And once I, um, you know, get my day started. I just, I hit the ground running. And then, you know, about six o'clock, I may wind down. Sometimes I'm still working all the way up until I go to bed, just to be honest. Um, But no, I I just, I try to make the most of the time that I have because, you know, as entrepreneurs, we are super busy. So we have to be productive. Well, I'm excited to get started. So let's jump right in. And so again, today, we're going to be talking about culture in the workplace, specifically diversity in the workplace. And this is MJ's jam here because she's a certified diversity executive. So I want to start by talking about what diversity in the workplace looks like. And for you, what does that mean? 
Well, that's a really good question. And the thing about it is it's going to range from workplace to workplace, right? Um, and what I always tell people is diversity, equity, and inclusion is a journey. Um, and so you can see different organizations are at different stages in their journey. But for me, when I hear the word diversity, I think of difference. I think of range. I think of different lived experiences. Uh, a lot of times when we talk about diversity, uh, one of the first few things we think about is race, gender, ethnicity, but I see it so much broader than that, I think because of my personal lived experiences. So I'll just share with you and the listeners. So uh, I am dyslexic uh, and I'm also hard of hearing. So I can only hear in one ear. I can't hear out of my right ear. So my experience, oh. yeah, I'm hard of hearing and dyslexic. So that's why um, you know I do a lot of work around neurodiversity and disability inclusion. Because the thing is, a lot of workplaces just aren't designed with disability inclusion and access accessibility in mind. Um, and so that's why I think my lens has been a little bit different because um, I've always been considered different because I've had all of these di different intersectional identities. But yeah, no, I, I think it's really important and you know, and this might be a question you ask later, but I think we're in an interesting time too, because if you look at certain states, there's this pushback on, oh no, we're tired of talking about DEI. There's even certain governors, right? It's even certain governors right now that are trying to put laws in place to stop us from having DEI initiatives in the workplace. Um, it, it's so unfortunate. It's uh, it's unfortunate, but then there's also pushback on that. Like, no, this, this can't happen. The, our country is evolving. We, what's this generation Z is the generation um, that's currently in, in the workforce, the youngest generation in the workforce. And they're one of the most multicultural generations we've ever seen in our nation. So we have to talk about diversity. Like it's not going anywhere. So that's what I tell people. I'm very honest with them. Like, Hey, you know, you can, you can, stop having conversations about this, but it's not going to change the fact that you have a diverse workforce with diverse needs. So many people, when they think about DEI, they only think about race or gender equity. But what happens when you have that neurodiverse employee that we kind of just forgot about, right? So how do we support that neurodiverse employee and cultivate that sense of belonging for them in the workplace? Yeah, and that's that's a really good question. And I'll say it's a little bit tough. And, and here's why, because, you know, with race and gender, it's usually pretty apparent, right? You can usually look at a person to say, okay, she most likely identifies as black or she most likely identifies as a woman. But with neurodiversity, it's not always seen. Um, and, and I'll tell you and, and the listeners, um, for years, I never told anyone that I was dyslexic. So I kind of had the luxury of hiding it for a long time. Um, and, and a lot of people do because of the stigma that comes with it. So, uh, I, I, and I just had this conversation with someone who is on the spectrum and she said, I'll probably never tell my employer that I'm autistic, right? And it's, it's unfortunate that so many people feel like they, they can't be open about, you know, their identities. But one thing I do appreciate is 
I feel like there has been a lot of momentum around becoming more neuro-inclusive in a lot of workplaces. So there's a lot of different organizations out there that do work specifically um, on neurodiversity and promoting neurodiversity awareness. So for example, we just had Neurodiversity Week uh, which was a, I want to say it was like two weeks ago, but it was like an international celebration. And I, that's pretty new. I, it, I think it, and, you know, I don't want to throw out a date because I could be wrong, but I want to say it's been around for maybe at least four to five years. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's still pretty new. Yeah, it's still pretty new. And I could be wrong. Like I said, it may have been around longer, but it, it didn't really reach international status and have the type of momentum that it has until recently. Um, so like things like that is what's really helping. It's, it's generating awareness and, and people are learning about the different, um, you know, the different diagnoses that are under that umbrella of neurodiversity. And so I think, I think we still have a long way to go. I'm gonna be straight up with you. <laughs> We still have a long way to go when it comes to uh, workplaces being more neuro-inclusive, but we are making strides. So here's another thing that comes to mind, MJ, when we're talking about neurodiversity. Both you and I were in education as well before we got into these spaces that we're in now. And so in K-12 education, kids are legally mandated to have accommodations if they have a documented learning disability. So we see in this foundational space that neurodiversity is being supported. But once they graduate, it's a whole different ballgame. Universities and those institutions of higher learning, they're not mandated to provide those supports, but they have gotten better as a whole in doing so in recent times. However, um, we've set the tone in the foundational K-12 space that we are willing to support you. But then once they graduate, it's kind of like we're throwing them to the wolves. So this is what really drew me to you and your work because you have that background in education. So you understand where it's coming from in the K-12 space and then moving into the higher ed space and workplace. We simply just fall short. Um, there, there's laws that govern employers that state they must provide reasonable accommodations for disabled employees. But when we think about disability, we typically think about somebody that's in a wheelchair, not necessarily that neurodiverse employee or the employee who's hard of hearing, like you shared about yourself. So these employees technically identify as disabled as well. So this can have a profound effect on how employees show up at work, which ultimately affects the workplace culture. So talk to me, MJ, about what you do when you're working with these organizations. What does that look like? And how do you help these organizations support their neurodiverse employees? Yeah, that's excellent. Excellent question. And you touched on so many great points. And can I just, the one thing you said, I was like, yes, come on now, please. Yes, preach. <laughs> Let the people know um, is the fact that we do a good job when individuals are students, but it doesn't, it doesn't continue on once they enter the workforce. And so uh, that's that's one of the things I, I teach people. And that's one of the things I, um, you know, inform organizations about is that, you know, it's equally important for members of the workforce to have access to those same resources and to have access to accommodations if necessary. And here's the thing, Spring, this, this is this is a fact that a lot of um, folks may or may not realize, but 
usually for an accommodation, it's it's free. Like it, it, it it's usually free of cost. <laughs> something like, oh, I need something to read out loud to me because I'm dyslexic. So I used to have software to read out loud to me just to make sure I don't have any typos in my emails. Um, but that's literally just a click, download. And it's like that for most employees. It, it's usually free to little costs. Uh, they say on average anywhere from it'll range most likely up to $500 or it might be no cost at all. But that's something that we have to to uh, make sure that employers know that. And then also we have to change this mindset because it's a mindset shift that needs to happen where we have to stop looking at folks with disabilities as liabilities. I know. Oh my God. We have to shift the culture and say, how do we shift it from this liability mindset to the they are assets because usually folks with disabilities are going to be some of your hardest working employees there's data out there to support that um because they're 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 like okay good i have a job <laughs> you know because the, uh, they accepted me right the employment rates are much lower for folks with disabilities um so usually the work they have a strong work ethic they're very creative because they've had to be creative their entire life and figure out different solutions you know because everywhere is not accessible to them. So they have to figure out, okay, how do I get in here? How do I, how do I fit into this culture? Um, so it's just so many different strengths that folks with disabilities and people um, who are neurodiverse, they bring those skills to the workforce. And that's what I do. I teach employers, like, this is what you gain by hiring diver, well, yeah, hiring folks with, um, you know, different skill sets and abilities. That's awesome. I really appreciate that because I started to notice a few things about how I show up to work as an entrepreneur, which led me to believe that I may have ADHD. And these days, it seems a lot of people, especially Black women, who right now are the largest number of new entrepreneurs, are being diagnosed with some sort of neurodiverse disability later in life. So this is really what made me think about neurodiversity in the workplace and inclusiveness. So can you talk to me about how we shift that culture and really foster a sense of inclusiveness for those employees? Yes. And you, oh, I love that you brought that up. Um, you are absolutely right. A lot of Black women are uh, un undiagnosed. And I, I think about a moment... <laughs> I laugh because, you know, it's not funny, but I, I can look back at it now and be like, wow, that person really just didn't know any better. But I remember growing up and there was a time where it's like, oh, baby, you dyslexic. You got to pray that away. You know, uh, <laughs> pray, pray it away. Like, and, you know, there's this there's this there are certain cultural things that we we see in certain communities. And it's not just black communities, but also Hispanic and Latinx communities. And there's a lot of cultural um cultural things and, and certain stigmas. Yeah, yeah, there you yeah. go, where it's like, oh, no, just we got to pray over you. And, you know, and, <laughs> and anything, if you even talk about going to a psychologist or a psychiatrist, it's like, no, no, no <laughs> you don't need that. You, you're fine. Um, and so, but I do feel like we are getting to a place where we're having more conversations about it. Mm -hmm. And because there's more awareness, people are realizing like, you know what? No, maybe, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not you know, something's not 
wrong with me. I just think and process things differently. And they're starting to understand like, oh, maybe I'm ADHD. Maybe I have ADHD. Maybe I'm dyslexic. Maybe I'm on the spectrum. Maybe, I'm, you know, it, it, it could be so many different things. And so that is the beauty of getting diagnosed, even if it is later in life, at least you have that awareness of, oh, okay, this is why I process things the way I process it and why I do things the way I do it. So personally, I think it's never too late even if you're 50, 60, 70, it's never too late to, to have an assessment if you think you might be neurodivergent. It does help you to show up better. And so I really start to think about others who are neurodiverse as they try to navigate the workplace. How do they show up as their authentic selves at work without feeling intimidated or fear of being harshly judged? Yeah, I think a lot of that falls on the workplace itself. It falls on the employers. Um, are and I and I say this, um, but we have to ask ourselves as employers sometimes. Well, I'm not employing them, but I'm speaking of companies. <laughs> uh, but you have to ask yourself: Do we actually have a space where people feel like they can show up authentically? Are we truly fostering an inclusive and accessible and equitable environment? And um, you know, a lot of folks. Like I said, I, I can tell you countless, countless people I've talked to who are just like, yeah, I'll never disclose that I'm neurodivergent or I'll never disclose that I have uh, an invisible disability for that very reason. So, but, but when employers get it right, because I have seen a lot of employers who are very good about, you know, we want you as you are. We hired you for a reason. We view you as an asset in the, in the skills you bring and all of your different lived experiences, we view you as someone who belongs here. And when workplaces can really get that message across and be sincere about it, I don't mean just some diversity statement on a website. I mean, like, <laughs> they are in few, you know what I'm saying? Like, they are. We see infusing. a lot of that these days. It's a lot of that. But they true. They are truly infusing it in their culture. Then, I mean, th that's when people are more likely to feel like, you know what, I can show up authentically because they have create a, created a psychologically safe place for me to do so. And you know what, I can be me. But a lot of it, it, it does fall on the employer. Yeah, yeah. Well, MJ, it has truly been a pleasure talking with you today. You've dropped some gems for our listeners um, so I just want to wrap up here and bring it all in, in terms of what we've been talking about today. And you've really touched on some great points. So for one, neurodiverse employees need to feel included in the workplace. This helps foster an overall inclusive and positive workplace culture. And second, remember, you may not recognize right away that an employee is neurodiverse. However, once you do recognize it, there are ways that you can support those employees. And remember, MJ said that those supports are usually free or minimal cost. So once again, Dr. McConnor's company is called Inclusive Excellence Consulting for all your DEI needs. You can reach out to her on LinkedIn, Facebook, and what about Instagram? MJ McConnor. Yep. I'm on Instagram and, uh, yeah, I'm most active on LinkedIn though. That's where I like do my most like in, in terms of engagement, that's my favorite platform. So yeah. Thank you so much, MJ, for being here today. It has truly been a pleasure. Awesome. Well, thank you. I appreciate you for having me. Thanks for listening to the spring forward podcast. I hope you were able to capture some of the gems that were dropped 
and are excited to start using the information to help your business spring forward into excellence. I would love to hear some of your biggest takeaways from this episode. So connect with me on LinkedIn or Facebook or tag me on Instagram at springy underscore springtime. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. And if you'd like to learn more about how we can work together, visit the website at time2springforward.org. That's T-I-M-E-T-O-S-P-R-I-N-G-F-O-R-W-A-R-D.org. And until next time on the Spring Forward Podcast.